I want to make uh, two changes at the masses on the weekends. The first is I want to try to cut down the length of my homily. And the second part is to cut down the length of the after mass announcements. The length of my homily, this has been something that uh, the Lord has just been presenting to me over the last several months, really, um, in prayer. And, um, you know, not to skimp on the, on the quality or uh, certainly the scriptures or um, the application for our lives, but there's a way to do that in which we preserve that, but also um, tighten up the homily. So I'm going to make an effort to do that. And I just ask that you pray for me and be patient with me. I'm sure there will be exceptions when the Holy Spirit moves me, you know, um, or there's something big going on that I want to uh, take some time with you on. Um, the same goes with the aftermath announcements. Um, I'm going to ask the staff to work on that. Uh, the staff and a lot of our ministry, me- ministry me- um, leaders want to make sure that you're informed about uh, the stuff that's going on here, especially stuff that has to do with faith formation. So I'm just going to ask them to focus, especially just on that, faith formation, and on other things, no, but also even on the verbiage to be able to tighten that down. So again, your patience and prayers will be, uh, will be appreciated. Okay, so let's jump into the homily. I actually want to look today at Luke No, um, Exodus 17. Because something strange happens here that unless we understand the principle, like the principle of Scripture, then we're going to miss how to understand it. And here's the principle. Jerome said it for us in the 4th century. The New Testament is concealed or hidden in the Old Testament. It's there. And the Old Testament is revealed in the new. We never will fully understand the Old Testament unless we see it through the lens of the New Testament. So that's the case with Exodus 17. This strange scene of Moses going up on a hill, holding up his hands, and every time that he lowers his hands, then the battle goes to the enemy, but every time he raises it, it goes to the Israelites. Like, what's going on here? The background is this. So Moses, we know, ultimately, his role is to get the people to the promised land. And along the way, to create a way of life, the law, the Mosaic law, for them to follow. Well, they're just on the cusp of being able to get into the promised land. But they have this people called the Amalekites. And they're in the way. They don't want them to get into the promised land. And so God, Moses, sends Joshua into the battle to lead the battle. And Moses is inspired to go up on a hill and to preside over the battle through prayer. Exodus tells us that he holds up the staff of God in his hand. The staff that he uses to part the Red Sea. He holds up now. Now, When a Jew or an early Christian holds up their hands like this, it's a symbol of prayer. He's making intercession before God for his people. For God to help them answer the promises that he has given. 
to fulfill those promises and to answer the people's prayers. So he does that. But then the strange thing of his, every time his arms go down, the battle goes to the Amalekites. And every time that he raises it, the battle goes to the Israelites. Well, remember this about Moses and many other key figures throughout the Old Testament. They're types of messiahs. They're types of Christ. They are prototypes, albeit imperfect, and not any one of them encapsulates all of who the Son of God is going to be when God fulfills his promises to send the Messiah. But they have certain aspects of that. And certainly Moses has that. And in today's reading from Exodus 17, he has that as intercessor. You see, Jesus also went up on a hill to preside over a battle. The battle for our souls against an enemy who doesn't want us to enter into the promised land. And he holds up his hands in intercession. Anytime he could have put his hands down and come down off of that cross of Golgotha on the hill. But he didn't. He continued to hold it up in intercession for us. Praying to the Father that we would be delivered from the enemy and come into heaven. Another strange thing that happens that is not understood in the Old Testament, unless through the New Testament, is that uh, two men on either side of Moses comes and helps prop up his arms. Aaron and Hur. Now, Moses needs that help. The help of others as he's praying for his people. But Christ doesn't need that. He is also flanked on either side by a good thief, in this case, and a bad thief. But they're not capable of helping Jesus keep his hands up. In fact, the reason why he keeps his hands up is for the good and the bad alike, for all of us. Also, Moses dies, if you read further on into Exodus, he dies before the people go into the promised land. He does not lead them into the promised land. It's Joshua who leads them into the promised land. But Jesus, in fact, is the one. He dies like Moses also. But in his death, St. Paul says he's the firstborn among the dead. So what does he do? He dies so that he can lead us into the promised land. He's the first one into the promised land. And because of him, we all have the hope of being able to get into heaven. I mentioned Joshua. Joshua is another type of Christ, another type of Messiah. Joshua, or Yeshua, in English, has a name, and it is is Jesus, right? So Yeshua, Joshua, is the one who actually does the battle. Moses is presiding. Moses is praying and interceding for his people. Joshua is the one engaged in the battle, and he's able to overcome the enemy, and then he's the one who leads God's people into the promised land. Well, the same goes with Jesus. He's the one who is not only praying for us, but he's the one who is capable of overcoming the enemy. And he's the one who's 
only one who is capable of leading us into the promised land. And I just gave you four different connections. There are many more here in Exodus 17. What are they saying to us? In this particular scene, what they're saying to us is the role of intercessory prayer. It was there in the time of Moses and Joshua. It was there in the time of Jesus himself. And it needs to be there in our own time. We need to be intercessors for one another. But here's the deal. We can't do it alone. We grow weary when we pray alone. So we pray together. We prop one another up. We not only pray for others, we're always having others pray for us. We're not only praying for ourselves, we're praying for others. And we're praying, of course, too, that the Lord help us remove those obstacles in our lives and the lives of others that are keeping us from entering into God's promises. And not just the promise, but the ones that are along the way. The role of intercessory prayer is a very important one. And we learn in today's reading the need for it, for the persistence of it, even when we want to stop it, to keep going with it, and to not give up hope. The Israelites were giving up hope. And so there comes Aaron and her to help Moses in his prayer to never give up hope in the battle against the enemy. And Jesus himself, the Jews have practically given up hope on a Messiah coming. And here comes Jesus. I want to end with this story. So Medjugorje, it's located between Bosnia and Herzegovina. And it's an unofficial site of one of the apparitions of Mary. In fact, it's believed that the apparitions are still going on. They started in the early 80s. And millions of Christians have gone there in pilgrimage. And thousands and thousands of miracles have been recorded. I got to go there in 1996 as part of pilgrimage. And I was able to stay with one of the women who is believed to be one of the visionaries, Ivanka. And like all the visions before, all the apparitions before, there's always um, promises or predictions that Our Lady gives to humanity. That if uh, we follow uh, the recommendations, uh, the warnings, the prayers, the invitations, then we'll avoid those promises or fulfill those promises. Avoid those predictions, fulfill those promises. And so I'd heard about what some of them might be. Of course, they're promises, so no one really knows. And I asked her that. You know, should, because I was hearing some dark things about them. And I wanted to know, should we be fearful? And so she doesn't say anything, of course. But Snezhnia, who is her interpreter and a longtime friend and neighbor, uh, she speaks for Ivanka, and she says, you know, um, I- I've got a story which I think will answer that question. So she tells me this story about when Ivanka was pregnant with her second child and Snezhnia with her first child. 
And so she asks a similar question, but along these lines, she says, should I be fearful of bringing a child into this world? With all the divisions that we know, with all the chaos, with all of the, lack, the growing lack of faith, the growing presence of sin, the apathy of people, and so on. So Ivanka, she said, said nothing to her, but put her own hand on her own belly and put the other hand on Snezhnia's belly. And then said, would I be bringing in a child into the world if I did not have hope? She says, Our Lady teaches us to have prayer and have hope. What our world needs the most is prayer and hope. And I think that's what we get from Exodus 17 today. And certainly our gospel, go back and read it, is that we need to be people of prayer. For ourselves, yes. And interceding for one another and for our world. And it has a place and it has a power and it has a purpose. And along the way, we are never to give up hope. At the end of this Mass, in fact, during the closing hymn, I'll invite those people up who want to celebrate the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. It's for people, yes, who are maybe going ready to go into surgery, but it's for people who are struggling in a variety of ways, uh, medically, emotionally, physically, morally, spiritually, mentally, uh, with the frailty of age, struggling with their health in these and various other ways. When you come up, just come up with your hands out like this, ready to receive prayer, and that hope that Christ gives in this sacrament. If you're around them when you come up, please lay hands on them and intercede for them. Your prayer has a place and a purpose in their lives. And during that closing hymn, please stick around and pray for those who are coming up if you yourself are not coming up. That's the role for us as Christians, is never to give up, to be persistent in prayer and in our hope. And that's what we need and our world needs the most.